0: Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 125. Here we are. We're a quarter of the way now from 100 to 200 episodes. But we've got a great, great guest today, Adam Javelin. Uh, Adam is a speaker, life coach, mentor, best-selling author, corporate consultant, uh, all kinds of great things that he does He comes from a background of addiction. He talks about all this stuff in the interview, going to rehab and all the various things that he learned there. We've had some guests talk about addiction in the past, and I think it's an important topic at any time and a timely topic at this time with everything going on. I know a lot of people are turning to a lot of things, and if you're one of those people, do not feel ashamed. Do not feel like I'm judging you or anything else, but we're talking about what all that means and finding uh, what success versus fulfillment means. Uh, love and approval and all these various things that people are seeking and shielding and and soothing our childhood wounds and all these various things it's a pretty deep conversation so I'm excited to share that with you Adam has an excellent book we're gonna link up in the show notes here lots of holic from a sick to sober superman Uh, so look for that book and I want to remind you up front as always before we jump in the podcast you are absolutely priceless you are never alone. Do not forget those things. If nobody else tells you or makes you feel that way, come to our podcast regularly because I think I say it in just about every episode. So (laughs) I want to share that reality with you and let that sink in. Focus on how you feel when you hear that. And then also go look in the mirror maybe. Start doing that once or twice a day and start telling yourself that. And maybe add some more affirmations as you start to figure yourself out and the things that you're about and the things that you can contribute to the world. Because I promise uh, there's a great, great deal of that within you. There is power within you. And I just I just know that that's reality of humanity. So do not forget that you are absolutely priceless and you're not alone. You're above the riches of this world. The riches are found in you, my friend. Our challenges, as always, study, learn, grow, keep studying, start studying. Whatever your situation is, it's never too late to start. Uh, our power is in today, uh, not tomorrow, not last week or 20 years ago. The power is in you right now, today. The power of now. Go look for that book by Eckhart Tolle if you want something to study. Just a little recommendation from me. Uh, shout out to him as well. Uh, but... Uh, study keep studying keep learning and there's a a magical power I shouldn't say magical there is a power that happens uh, by doing that by stimulating our minds by learning something and growing and even if you're just reading uh, fiction you're stimulating your mind you're honing your reading skills and uh, your own creativity perhaps as well so uh, moving along our next challenge uh, make great moments that's with loved ones I've been spending time with my boys. My son had broken his arm back in May. So now here we are five months later or so, and he's finally at a place where he can throw the football again. Sadly, two days before he broke his arm, we were throwing the football. He was throwing it pff, super far for the then ten year old. now he's eleven. and uh, and we get to do that. And now my other, my eight year old joined us, so we have kind of a a three way triangle where we throw the ball around. And play some games and stuff as well. And uh, whatever it is in your world, you might not have anyone into throwing the football. But whatever your version is of throwing the football and bonding with the people that you love and care about, do that. And uh, I promise these will be pillars in our lives as we make great moments that will overshadow the shortcomings, mistakes, and just overall blemishes uh, of our lives. Uh, We all have them. So don't feel alone in that either. You're not alone in having all those things. Uh, But also, let's not be alone in having great moments. Make those great moments. That power is in you to do that. And the last challenge, of course, as always, my friends, let's keep doing this podcast together. Uh, Adam Javelin brings a great uh, energy and uh, a real love and caring for humanity. I can just tell by talking to him and uh, sharing his story and sharing how he helps some of his clients. We talked uh, a little bit as if I was a client just to kind of see that. And you don't need to look at it through that lens. Just try to glean what you can, but also we'll have his contact information if anyone's uh, interested in reaching out to Adam. And uh, without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. Here we are with Adam Javelin. We are pleased to welcome Adam Jablin today, who is a speaker, life coach, mentor, best-selling author, of course, corporate consultant. Uh, all kinds of hats you wear, Adam. <laughs> How are you doing today, my friend?
1: I'm well, Phil. Thank you so much and uh, for having me on your show.
0: Yeah, it's our pleasure to have you. Um, and we're going to cover a lot of ground today, I feel like, because I know uh, some of your background, we'll talk about it. You can elaborate a little bit more too, but um, you're coming to us uh, from the East Coast. Did you say Florida when we were talking before?
1: Yes, sir. Boca Raton, Florida, South Florida.
0: Oh, lovely. Are you, are you from there uh, or, or where did you grow up?
1: Uh, I originally grew up in Tenafly, New Jersey, oh. and I moved to Boca Raton, Florida when I was about 12, 13 years old.
0: Oh, I see. Always kind of East Coast, I guess, kind of thing. Uh, do folks well, on I East- did go to
1: Arizona State.
0: Oh, you did? Okay. Well, that's just down the road from us. I'm in Las Vegas. So, yeah, my niece just graduated from ASU and uh, she now does the news. Oh, congrats. (laughs) Yeah, she's on TV in Oregon doing the news now. But anyway, that's a side topic. But uh, shout out to my niece, Madison. Anyway, Adam, so tell me a little about your background because I know you've had kind of a, a little bit of a roller coaster like a lot of us in our lives and you've had your own version of that. Uh, that's kind of, it sounds like, led you to this place where you're doing all these things, these hats that I mentioned of uh, speaker, life coach, and all these things that you do, best-selling author as well. Um, in order to be a best-selling author, generally, you've got to have a message that pe- that you know that resonates with people. So talk to me about that background, if you would, at what brought you to where you're doing this now, and maybe, I don't know how far back you want to go to your childhood in New Jersey, but uh, if you'd like yeah, to open I'll up. I'll try to...
1: I'll, I'll- sure phil i'll try to make it um short and sweet but just so you can get a a sense of who i am okay yeah um when i grew up in tentafine new jersey uh, i was born uh may 19th 1976 and i grew up in tentafine new jersey and and my childhood was a lot like the movie big did you ever see that with tom hanks oh yeah sure great like and the goonies you know just like outside all the time best friends were like family you know, doors unlocked type feeling. Uh, the one thing growing up that made me feel different, that made me feel weird was I was the fat kid. Oh. I was the heavy kid. Yeah. yeah. My dad used to call me El Chubbo. And <laughs> it feels nice, uh, there's it? a movie. <laughs> yeah. right. Well, yeah. He didn't know, you know, he didn't know, but uh, no, there was a movie at the time called the Goonies and this kid would do the chunk shuffle. And then my friends would ask me to do the chunk <laughs> shuffle. And I, And Phil, I, I, um, listen, I hated it. I hated being the heavy kid. And what it did do, though, was it gave me a very uh, outgoing, enthusiastic, class clown-like personality. And I, I believe that a lot of the heavier comedians that have that is because, you know, the idea is to get you to laugh with me and not at me. You know, let me distract the attention from how I look or you poking fun at me are you hurting my feelings? Let me try to like liven up the room. Yeah. When yeah. we moved down to Boca, yeah, we moved down to Boca Raton, Florida, where I could have my shirt off every day, <laughs> be in the sun every day, be the- and I hated it. You know, I'd go into a pool with a t-shirt on; it would suck to my fat, and I just hated it down here. But, but one thing did happen eventually. I made a decision that I was not going to look or feel like that anymore when I was about 14 years old.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, my mom, we stopped eating McDonald's after school every day and pop tarts. And, you know, I, my mom started buying me flex magazine and muscle and fitness magazine. And I, and I, you know, I was pretending to be Rocky Balboa and exercising and joined the gym. And in four (laughs) short years I went from being, The fattest kid in the class to the best built kid in the class.
0: You know, I
1: went from kids teasing me saying, "Hey, Adam, how many Oreos did you eat last night?" to, "Wow, man, how much can you bench?" The the (laughs) girls liked me, you know, and everything changed. Except I was still the funny, gregarious, fat kid inside wanting everyone to like me wanting everyone to laugh. Yeah. I did. It didn't give me the confidence that I thought it would, you know, it, it, it did on the outside, but not on the inside, but right. something happened with the muscles and the looks and the, which was, I was able to get along with the older, get along well with the older kids. Yeah. Um, I was able to talk to them, lift with them, train with them, play with them. And the older kids were experimenting with drugs and alcohol and mm. man, Bill, all I can tell you is that first time I had that drink, it fixed something inside of me I did not know was broken. I mean, it fixed it. And I didn't even know it was broken. Mm -hmm. And it was like, yo, the party is with Adam. Finally, my insides matched my outsides. I was confident, strong, Superman, the leader, the leader. I was the first kid in my high school to get a fake driver's license. It was terrible, but it worked out in the Goonies. You know what I mean? And it was from Iowa. I remember we bought, bought all the, you know, got everyone the beer all the time and the wine coolers They'd give me the money and everything we could and, you know, wow. smoking joints and all that stuff. I went to Arizona State University because at the time- Playboy and Penthouse said it was the number one party school, <laughs> which it was. And yeah. I went out there and dominated. Still, some of my best friends are from college. And it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And then I was raised in a family business where in, the way I felt, I, I, you know, it would be interesting to get my parents and my grandpa's perception of it was, you know, this is who we are and this is what we do. This right. is, who, and it, we were the number one lace manufacturers in the world. And anytime I even thought of doing something else, I felt like I was cheating on the family. Like I was some punk, like some ungrateful loser. So I never dared to dream of what I would want to do. I went right into the family business and it was work hard, play hard. I thought I was going to be a salesman with my outgoing personality and charisma, but there was, it was kind of the years of death of a salesman. And we were really more of a high functioning, you know, dare I say factory. And I had to learn about, you know, running a factory from day one, Mm. you know, walking around a factory plant, meeting everybody, earning everyone's respect. Going in every department, a clipping department, examination department, uh, you name it, I had to learn the industry. I, had to, I was hung around with the plant manager, not my dad. I was you know, I was learning, I had to do night shift for one month, you know, I had to earn everyone's respect, and uh, I loved the perks of the family business and I hated what I was doing every day. Um, but I loved the perks and I felt like I could never leave. And the drinking just kept going. My, I fell in love with a woman, my wife. She hated my drinking. I found Xanax, started taking Xanax. Then I started mixing sedative and alcohol. One year, like 24, 25 years old, I, uh, playing basketball, I tore my ACL and MCL. Mm. I got Oxycontins and Darvacets and Percocets. And, you know, five years later, I was a full. Alcoholic and addict, full. Goodness gracious! To the point that my, you know, yeah, and um, you know, the my days would look like this. I would wake up five o'clock in the morning, take coffee and ephedrine, which is now illegal. It's a was a fat burning supplement. It would make your heart race like no other. Yeah, I would sweat the the toxins out from the night before. You know, by six fifteen, be in the shower. Take a Pepsod AC for my stomach and a Xanax to calm me down from the, uh, the ephedrine throughout the morning, drink coffee, popping Xanax to keep me calm, but needing the caffeine to stay awake around 12 o'clock on my lunch hour. I would go exercise, take some sort of a pre-workout, mix that with Percocet or Oxycontin or Darbacet, um, So I, quote unquote, didn't feel my injuries, train like an animal, be back in the office, showered at 1.30. Um, During working hours, drink more coffee to stay alert, take more Xanax to stay calm around 6.15, leave the office, stop by the gas station, whack down a six pack, (laughs) wash my mouth out with Listerine so my wife didn't smell it, although I think she smelled it every day. Try to be a good dad try to be a good husband, pray for them to go to to bed and sleep so I could drink the way I want and then drink the way I want, which is heavy and hard. Then the anxiety would still creep in with the alcohol, maybe take an Ambien to fall asleep. And then at five o'clock in the morning, I would start the cycle all over again. And I did that for years, for Hmm. years until my body started giving out on me. I didn't know how to deal and cope with life's real emotional issues. I knew how to deal with it in business terms or in party terms. And my, my best friend fell in love with my sister and my grandmother died in my arms and I just didn't know how to handle it. I just didn't know how to handle all of this. And, um, wow. The only at that moment is I believe in uh, a power greater than myself. I call it God, but universe spirit, Spirit of the universe Yahweh Adonai whatever whatever makes you feel comfortable mm-hmm. that power decided that it was going to stop letting those things work for me so I could drink and I could take medications but it wouldn't shut off my head anymore it wouldn't feel. it wouldn't stop the demons like I used to be able to drink and yo I'm here here I am the inside yeah. matches the outside stop I would hear those voices. You're a loser. What are you doing? You hate your job. You're never gonna be as good as your old man. 30 year olds don't live like this. You're a father now. Get your act together. What's with you? And I could drink and drink and I could take pill after pill and it wouldn't shut up. And um, before I knew it, you know, my wife and I got into some serious, serious arguments and I walked in one day to my intervention and went to rehab and that's where my whole life changed 14 years ago july fourteenth, two 2006 and that sparked the man that you're speaking with now you know my recovery became everything i had a a spiritual awakening in there that's very difficult to describe it was more like a death to my ego it felt more like a panic attack than a burning bush But I saw life with new eyes Mm -hmm. and I didn't know if I had to be poor. I didn't know if I had to be baptized. I didn't know if I had to wear a yarmulke. I didn't know what it meant, but I knew I had to be sober. And I jumped into that guy with both feet and I attacked my recovery, Phil, with every ounce I've attacked anything in my life. And I'm an all-in guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And my recovery woke up some skills in me that I didn't know I had. I didn't know I could speak and I didn't know I could help people the way I do. And I didn't know that I would be a man of such strong faith. I didn't know any of this stuff. Right. I thought I was supposed to tow the family line. I thought I was supposed to be the next generation of lace manufacturers. (laughs) And it ended up that, you know, God had a different plan. And, March 1st, we sold the building, we sold the company. I still can't believe it. I really can't. I'm, I'm so happy and grateful about how everything worked out because somewhere mid-March COVID hit and I launched my coaching career April 1st. And mm. from all of my work, corporate America, all of my work in recovery, all of my work in fitness, it started taking a life of its own. And um, I'm really grateful to be on your podcast today.
0: Yeah, well, we're grateful to have you. And that's, uh, that's quite a story. I mean, we, we've had a few uh, people on with uh, addiction past, uh, whether it be in their own lives or in their families. And it's something that seems to permeate our society these days. And it sounds like you're probably around the same age as me with some of these movies that you mentioned. I don't want to digress and all that, but I just turned 40. 44. But... Oh, okay. You're a few I'm years 44. older. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I was born in 80. But in any event, I uh, <laughs> so I've seen all these movies, the Zoltar machine and all that. I guess you probably didn't have that in those days. But you had that kind of childhood that a lot of us had in the, in the 80s, especially. It was just like open, run, wherever kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of stuff I could ask you about New Jersey, but, uh, about, maybe we'll get to that, the, but we're talking about this journey and the, it's, it's an interesting cycle because yeah, I can relate to the whole, you know, no offense to anyone listening, but the whole fat kid thing. Cause I went through my own stage of that between probably around eight and I don't know, 13, 14 myself. Um, and I just had friends who rode bikes and stuff. So I just kind of got in shape doing that just because and it was, and it sucked, <laughs> but I couldn't keep up. So I had to force myself and I lost weight. And, uh, but the addiction stuff, um, t- talk to me a little bit about, because I know from what I understand here, you went to rehab, uh, you've got this, this book, uh, which is lots of holic from a sick to sober Superman. Talk to me about that title and rehab, if you would. Uh, Cause I know this book's like f- over 400 pages. So it's, it's not, you know, a teeny tiny read and there's gotta be a lot of content there. Um, but having this intervention, what was it about all that? And, and rehab, what, what did you go through as far as this transition?
1: It's a really wonderful question, Phil. The, The inspiration for that book was, and I I say it in the book, is that what I learned in rehab is what I almost feel that every child should be learning somewhere between first and fifth grade Mm -hmm. about how to be a human being, about emotions, about making the proper face at the proper time. Do you know that I always smiled? Always. I was dying inside, and Mm -hmm. I smiled. I didn't know that being nervous had a certain face and being angry had a certain face. I didn't even know that anger was a healthy emotion. Sad felt like an unhealthy emotion. Yeah, I thought you should be sad. You should never be angry. I had to learn what it was like to be a human being for the first time. And I learned all of these essential, essential skills and lessons because I'm an alcoholic and addict. Mm-hmm. That almost didn't feel fair. And I had this calling, if you will, that what I learned is for everybody. It's it's not fair. It's not fair. First off, you're you, you and or your family need good insurance or money to get you into a rehab. I was already a step ahead of people. Plus, I went to I think so the best of the best, you know, and I met the most unbelievable spiritual men and women and doctors and priests and rabbis. I mean, it just, I and I couldn't get over what I was learning. I just, and I felt like that information should be shared with everybody. Yeah. The, the title Holic" was given to me in a program called the Family Program During Rehab. It's when uh, the patients are with family members of the other patients. So you're not there with your own family. And the the patients get to understand how we're affecting, how our disease affects the family. But it's not personal because this is not our family. And the family members get to understand what it's like to be an alcoholic and an addict mm-hmm. from somebody that's in there like their child or their husband or their wife or their child, whatever, 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 right? So you get a really good education and I eat very, very clean. And I stayed very, very cut. And, you know, I remember being in there with my egg whites and oatmeal and black coffee and no Splenda in it. And and the family members were all like, he's so hell- like, look at this guy. He's a specimen. Like, why is he in here? <laughs> and a friend of mine said, he's, he's the worst out of all of us. And I looked at him and everybody at the table looked at me. He goes, Adam's a of holic. And I looked at him, I said, What's a lotsaholic? And then the family members go, What's a lotsaholic? And he's like, Anything Adam does, he does to the extreme. Yeah. If it's being five minutes, five minutes early for meditation, five minutes early for a meeting, if it's participating in these group counseling or the outside 12-step meetings, if it's eating clean, if it's talking about his wife and children, if it's alcohol and drugs, this guy is the most extreme guy we've ever met. He's a lot. So everything he does, he does a lot. Mm-hmm. And I started laughing hysterically and so did everyone else, but he had me pegged. And it was a title that was given to me. For the rest of my life, mm-hmm. um, the Superman thing, the sick to sober Superman. I've been a Superman fan since I was born. I mean, I was born. They put a Superman shirt on me. <laughs> yes. It's a part of, you know. And I know this is silly, but it's like a, it's it's it, it's a part of almost how I see the world. You know, I see it through specific lenses. It's you know between superheroes or twelve steps or. Religion, like, I see the world through my own reality. And, um, and Superman was just what I always wanted to be, you know? And what happened was, at the very end of my book, my dad is a real cowboy. And I mean, I don't say a cowboy like an adjective. Like, my dad's a real cowboy, like rides the rodeo. I mean, he's, he's the real deal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: and,
1: and, and like any cowboy, my dad was not an emotional man. He was not, you know, there was not a lot of hugging. It was more like cowboy up. Everything was cowboy up, you know, (laughs) pick yourself up and rub some dirt in it. You know, there was no, but at the end of my book, this really happened. We were pushing my kids um, on the swing set. And he says, you know, Addy, you're finally like Superman. And I looked at him. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you thought all these years that Superman was about, having all these powers and muscles. And i like, like, yeah, he goes, no. He's like, you know what Superman does? And I looked at him, I didn't always, I'm like, no, he goes, Superman saves lives. And that's what I was doing. I was helping people get sober. I was helping people out of treatment centers. I was helping, and before I knew it, Phil, I was helping celebrities. I was helping professional athletes. I was helping politicians. And it wasn't just about recovery from alcoholism and addiction i started helping people with all of these unhealthy dependencies unhealthy dependencies on food unhealthy dependencies on gambling unhealthy dependencies on the gym unhealthy dependencies on a spouse mm-hmm. unhealthy depend like you know and what i started learning is look i've met some very special elevated human beings but majority of us have an unhealthy dependency on something yeah some have an unhealthy dependency on work
0: <laughs> well that's uh, I appreciate you opening up some of that and that's those are some interesting stories and the, the story behind lots of holic and superman talk and all that and by the way I'm a huge superman fan. we grew up in an era where Christopher Reeve was superman for about a decade and uh that just blew all of our minds. I'm sure. Uh, watching those movies, but, um, and, but I get that analogy from cowboy up dad and, you know, I've known some of these cowboy up guys over the years, by the way, and some dad, like, you know, my grandfather grew up on a farm and he was kind of just cold, quiet. Uh, you know, he's no longer with us, but he, uh, a lot of folks in that era were kind of that, especially the men were kind of that way, world war two generation and, and whatnot. But, uh, do you have any insight i'm just curious you know as we chat here man-to-man this is just an open man conversation but women are invited to listen into uh do you have any insight as to what contributed because there's all kinds of factors when people have addiction you talk about the the term unhealthy dependencies i've known some people i've seen this you know play out generationally in their families of especially alcoholism um but people had, unhel- like you mentioned, work, uh, porn, uh, all kinds of things that people turn to. Um, and, and you know, pardon me for, for, you know, I'm no qualified professional. It sounds like there may have been an element in you of some sort of people pleasing because you talk about just smiling all the time. I don't know if that was an outward thing just so that people would feel happy uh, or what. Do you have any insights on that if you want to dig in on yourself and or just why some of the reasons people have these unhealthy dependencies because like I say there's I see genetic things play out with people and then I just see other uh whatever from trauma and childhood and other things people just turn to stuff for relief uh either personally and or generally do you want to answer some of that of why these things happen and or maybe the people-pleasing part too because I've suffered from some of that myself
1: <laughs> to be honest.
0: Not, not the alcoholism, but the people-pleasing other stuff
1: well, Go ahead. I'm, so I'm a recovered people pleaser, you know, like, uh, I'm it, that happened through my recovery. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you, you, nailed it. You a hundred percent nailed it. And look, I don't ever want to come. I'm an expert on myself and I'm an expert on helping people, but I don't ever want to claim that I'm an expert on alcoholism and addiction because there are a lot of, you know, Dr. Drew would be a great person to talk to yeah. because there are a lot of things that attribute to it. But I'm an expert on myself. And sure. what I tell you is, um, firsthand, is I liked the way alcohol made me feel. Sure. I liked the effect. And I also grew up in, a where, in an era where the more you could drink, it, drinking almost became like a courage badge, like you didn't want to be the one that couldn't keep his liquor down. You just did <laughs> um, it. And so there were these like, so there was like external factors, like being macho, um, being around the girls. There was an internal factor, like wanting it, craving it, needing it. What I can say, and it goes for the people pleasing, too, is that I didn't know who I was. I was lost Mm. and I'm somebody that really, really, no, look, Phil, I'm a a really fun loving guy, like really fun loving guy. However, Mm. I have this other side of my personality that's a killer and I'll outwork you any day of the week in anything (laughs) just just call me out. I'll be on a plane to Vegas because it's like a, it's a turn on like I'll <laughs> die. before you, I'm going to die before you win. Wow. You're right. I'm going to die. Right. I will die. However, what that is, is an insecurity. It's an insecurity mm-hmm. and it's not allowing spirit or a power greater than myself into my life to balance me out. So when am I? Am I the killer, or am I the sweet, loving, compassionate guy, or am I both? Well, I'm not balanced. What we all, what every alcoholic and addict I've ever met is looking for is relief. Mm-hmm. Fucking relief. Right. Relief from what? Themselves, fear, insecurity, doubt, the future, the past. All of it. Mm. The present, uncomfortable in their own skin at that moment. And the only substitution that I have found that has worked is a spiritual component. Physical is important. Take care of the body. I'm a, you know, if you looked at my body, you would know I'm a big believer in it. Mm-hmm. But that's not the main thing. You could have ripped abs and be miserable. Okay. It's something inside. It's something inside Phil, and it goes the same thing with people pleasing. If you don't have that spiritual spiritual foundation, if there's something inside missing, other people's approval will feel really, really good, and you'll seek it nonstop. Mm. It's so important to have something to anchor you. Right. It doesn't right. have to be the word God. Doesn't have to be religion. But something greater than yourself.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it, it's an interesting commentary on us as people in general, because I, I you know, I don't know everyone on Earth yet, <laughs> and suspect I may never. But I've known a lot of people to know that it seems like most folks have some sort of trauma and. Uh, you know, difficulty in their lives, whether they were the fat kid, whether they, whatever, all kinds of things. Maybe they were an immigrant. Maybe there's there's something that's that's difficult. And, you know, you get to a spiritual level, all these names for God that you mentioned earlier, whatever people want to believe there, a lot of folks believe life is a test. It's a growing learning experience that's designed by a higher power for that purpose. And as such, just as when we exercise, as you know, because you went, you've done this and continue to this day, sounds like. There's an element of pain, dedication, uh, growth. It's all part of that process physically. Uh, But the spiritual component you're you're talking about and anchoring, I'm kind of honing in on these words that you used, uh, spiritual and anchor. Um, Let's dig in on some of that, if you would, because um, this is what sounds like was a saving grace kind of for you. Um, Do you want to dig in more specifically as to what you mean? Because... You know, lots of people have some sort of spiritual component in their lives. Uh, not everyone has the same belief system religiously or, or whatever. Some people don't have any religious belief. Uh, talk to me about the spiritual component and, and the word anchor a little bit more. Let's dig in, if you don't mind, on some of that. Because if this, if this was a big part of your solution, it feels like we ought to, we ought to dig a little deeper <laughs> on some of that.
1: I would love to. I would love to. Um, What I like to do in this conversation is kind of take your audience to, to, dare I say, help them build a bridge to having a little hope and a little faith to have that, that spiritual anchor. Because I truly believe that deep down inside of every man, woman, and child is a God DNA gene. And that's what we're all seeking, that that completion. And to talk about a spiritual anchor, there are practices, right? I'm a big believer in three meals of prayer a day, right? But it doesn't have to be formal prayer. Anything from the Bible or the Torah or the Koran, you know, just an acknowledgement, asking this power for grace, for love, for protection. And when I'm working with my clients, I really try to make it simple. So, can I pretend that you're a client yeah. so your audience members can get a little taste?
0: Okay. <laughs> sure, go ahead.
1: <laughs> mind me asking. And, and, and these, this, is, this is not a test. This is just so people can get, can, can get a feel of it. Do you mind me asking, Phil, do you believe in electricity? <laughs> uh,
0: yes, yes. The short answer is yes.
1: Okay. Can you, do you trust that when you go over to your outlet on your wall, the, the, the power switch, that when you turn it on and off, do you trust that the lights will go on and off?
0: yeah well and from experience it has so even more so it's like cemented that oh this will once in a while a light bulb will burn out but it's not the, the electricity it's the bulb and you just swap it out <laughs> but yes
1: right but the electricity is always there right the current's there
0: as long as you're paying your bills and it's not shut off yes
1: <laughs> okay can you explain the electricity to me uh
0: not very well because i'm no expert my brother could He went to some machining school and all these things, but no, not very well.
1: Even, even him. I'd love to have him on because he'll explain it only as far as his intelligence can bring it. (laughs) They'll use atoms, electrons, neurons, right? Scientific mumbo jumbo that you and I wouldn't understand, but would he really explain electricity? How about the cloud? You, do you save anything on the cloud?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do.
1: A lot of us do these days. You know where that is? (laughs)
0: well i know it's a server somehow that we connect to through uh both wi-fi and wired internet connections and then cell towers as well if you're connected through a phone and whatnot but i know there's a physical server somewhere storing it but it's all through the internet that's a lot of these things we just mentioned wires cables cell towers (laughs) but physically there's a server
1: right right i love that thank you for even mentioning a server you're doing the work for me but I guess, how how is this? With the electricity and everything we're talking about, wouldn't you say that the one thing we're all going to need to get that is power? Power. Like when hurricanes come here to South Florida Mm -hmm. and we lose the power, no one says, oh, my God, I can't wait for the lights to go back on. Everyone says, I can't wait for us to get our power back, our power. We want our lights. We want our air conditioning. We want our televisions. We want our lives back. Our lives. Because it's connected to a power. So you trust electricity. You believe in electricity. You trust that the light will go on, but you can't explain it. And even if you can't explain it with your brother, it's going to kind of sound like scientific mumbo-jumbo, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well... This would be a good example of what you and I can call the spirit of the universe, God, Yahweh, source energy, Christ, all of it. You already have faith built into you. You already have trust built into you. Almost every single one of us gets in our car, goes driving and has complete faith that the car next to us is going to decide not to drive right into us.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right? So you're already using these skills without realizing that you have them. Yeah. Great point. But if you come to me, if somebody comes to me, they're at a point where something is hard in their life. Something is hurting. Mm. Something's not right. They're not – Trust me, they I usually don't get my clients after winning the Super Bowl. It's usually a month after when the depression sink, sinks in. <laughs> you know? That's really- yes, I have those type of clients. Mm-hmm. So something's... This is how I build these spiritual anchors. To realize that right now, as we speak, there are whales speaking to other whales in the ocean. Fact. There are, I have, listen, I'm not your brother. I cannot explain how I'm doing this with you right now. When you and I were growing up, this couldn't happen. Or it could for a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. I remember, right? I remember phone bills being crazy. Now we're on Zoom or whatever we use and it's free. Yeah, pretty much. There are things going on, Jeff, right now that we can't explain and we have a false sense of control example one that's really dear to my heart vanessa bryant thought kobe was coming home Mm. that's a tough one we all have if, if if he's gonna die any of us are gonna die and that's something i promise you and i can't tell you what my children mean to me Phil, I cannot tell you what my two kids mean to me. You don't understand. But can I tell you something? They will die. And I will die. And you will die. And everyone you love will die. So we're putting it all on the table and we're getting raw and real. Okay. And every night you go somewhere for about five to eight hours. <laughs> Every night.
0: Yeah, it's interesting.
1: You want to do an all-nighter? You'll go somewhere else for 12 hours then the next day. You'll catch up. So I've talked to you about a power. I've talked to you about electricity. We know that there are things out of our control. I showed you how every night you go somewhere, and I promise you you're going to die. What do you want to do now? Because <laughs> now we're talking about life.
0: Yeah, it's a big picture. now
1: I'm getting. Yeah, this is what I do with my clients. Yeah, yeah. how do we want to live is the question. What do we believe? I have people come to me when, they, Bill, they got more money than you and I ever could imagine. Mm-hmm. So the money didn't heal it, and the NBA ring and the Super Bowls didn't heal it. And all the accolades and the fame didn't heal it. Mm. And the kid winning the ballet thing didn't heal it. (laughs) So what the heck is going on here? Where do we find this peace? Well, I found it. And I found it because I abused alcohol. And that is what shook up all these things inside of me, Phil, that I didn't know I had. But I don't mm-hmm. like talking about the Giants and the Jets all the time. I don't like talking. I mean, I could talk sports with anybody all day long. Mm-hmm. But this is what I like to talk about because this is what's real. You may never talk to me again. You may say, I never want Adam Javin even near my freaking game. He's a – this guy's a freak. But you'll remember – And you'll look at your kids differently, knowing that one day they'll die. So I may as well enjoy every freaking second I have. Yeah. Every parent's wish, as it should be, is I want my kids to bury me. Should be natural way of life. But I don't don't get to pick. I don't get to choose. That's Right. So my teachings, my spiritual anchor is I enjoy every freaking second I can. I can enjoy the pain. I can enjoy the misery. I can enjoy the good times. I can enjoy the championships. I can enjoy the rain. I can enjoy the sun. I can have an appreciation for life because I almost lost mine several times
0: yeah wow yeah it's it's interesting all the things you're bringing up and the analogies and and what it really to me as we pan out and look at this and my audience knows i like to talk about big pictures anyway but it, that's kind of what it amounts to is big picture acceptance acknowledgement of what what the things are that are life is what it is and that death is what it is and um there's a lot of things in our world that are kind of like, especially things like death. It's like this elephant in the room that just people don't want to talk about most of the time. Uh, And especially in Western society, most of us do everything we can to avoid it and all these things to prolong life. And people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars when they've got some disease like cancer to maybe live an extra month or year, or if they're lucky, maybe multiple years. Um, But like you're talking about enjoy every second, some would say, doing all the drinking alcohol and and the drugs and the prescription stuff, all these things are a form of enjoying life. What do you have to say to that? I mean, I live in a place like Vegas here and you live in, you know, South Florida. These things are very prevalent in these places and, you know, throughout the country really these days. I heard, by the way, with COVID alcohol consumption was up 30 to 40% year over year just back in March and April when this all started. Um, What do you have to say to people who would say, well, that's living life. That's enjoying every moment. Uh, you talked about this would be at the end of your day. Like this was your escape almost. But what do you think about it? People come to Vegas and that's some, some of them come for that.
1: <laughs> no judgment, Phil, no judgment. You know, look, um, if I could enjoy a drink, I would. No judgment. If you can enjoy what, here's the problem. When what you enjoy controls you rather mm. than you controlling, it, there you go then there's a problem yeah but i have am no, i mean you kidding me come on everybody should enjoy people should enjoy good tequila and delicious red wines and white <laughs> wine and if, if they're into pot let them enjoy their pot i'm not an anti-alcohol anti-drug guy <laughs> i just i couldn't handle it and when i say i couldn't handle it i mean i wanted more of it and more of it and more of it hence i couldn't handle it because it was going to kill me um, but I'm not anti that stuff, and mm. I think if that, that's their form of letting loose, and that's their form of having a good time, and it's not hurting anyone, and they're in control of it, fantastic. Go yeah. for it. Go for it. 110%. And you'll know when there's something to be worried about. Yeah. You know? and it, it'll probably point it out to you.
0: Well, yeah, I for one, I grew up Mormon. uh, So I don't drink. I don't I never did any of this. All these my friends did. I grew up in Albuquerque. Uh, There's not a lot of Mormons in Albuquerque. And uh, (laughs) but I just I just decided early on, you know what, I don't need to do these things. And then I saw a lot of devastation it caused. I saw people what seemed on the surface that they felt like they were enjoying themselves I still wasn't curious enough to say oh I need to do these things too that's my journey but I you know I've got tons and tons of friends outside of uh, the Mormon faith who do a lot of these things and live all kinds of ways outside of what those Mormon folks would uh, I don't even like the term Mormon we'll get into that another day but it's what people know this Group by, but most folks know that. Oh, okay. They don't even go so far as to. We don't drink coffee and tea and <laughs> like little things that people. Why? Why the heck not? I go. You know, here in Vegas, sometimes I go. Uh, you know, there's a Target over here near where I live, and I have to go there. Or I actually was going to the chiropractor recently because I hurt my back a little bit. And there's a Starbucks right there, and there's just lines like you wouldn't believe for Starbucks. Um, there's no real conversation we need to have about that, but people like the stuff they like and whatever it is it's one thing i for one i'm just not into but i don't like look down my nose at people who do i've been around lots of my friends while they're smoking weed and drinking when especially when i was a teenager i grew up as a musician playing drums and stuff so i was in hot hot garages secondhand smoking with all these guys in the band uh so i i understand it but i've never done it Uh, and I just, I see the effects of it and I've just, I haven't seen overall positive outcomes. You're talking about, you know, people should enjoy their tequila and their wine. You know, I don't, but I think the big qualifier you said that's really important here, Adam is, uh, if, if it's controlling you. So to what extent are we letting things control us? It sounds like that was what was going on with you (laughs) clearly. Um,
1: yeah. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't control it. I had to have it in my system. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't be on Phil's show without something in my system. At that time, I couldn't be in your presence.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and if I was, and I didn't have what I wanted, I was there, but I wasn't there. All I was thinking about is when could I get it? When could I get my fix? So I was never really there. I was never really present. I was either high or wanting to get high. You know, mm-hmm. drunk or wanting to get drunk. And that means it was controlling me because that, mm-hmm. that's not who I am.
0: Well, if you, if you um, don't mind me, well, go ahead, go ahead, continue.
1: No, 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 please. The questions, the questions sparked the answers.
0: Well, yeah, I just, I think to some of what you mentioned early on while we're talking here, um, if you don't mind me asking, were you able to salvage this marriage situation? Uh, because a lot of times these things come into a relationship, a marriage, um, and... It, it's a catalyst that leads to it not lasting for in various yeah, ways we
1: were, we were able to save the marriage we work on it very hard um you know I our, our marriage yeah she was she's an amazing woman mm-hmm. um that we you know we stay married one day at a time you know just the same way i stay in recovery and and you know. I love her very much. She loves me very much. But that was also one of my faulty dependencies. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point, my wife was my god. Yeah. That's not good. She's as, she's as human as the next person. She's as flawed as the next person. Mm. That was a difficult lesson for me. So yeah. marriage changes over time. You know, I used sure. to be one of these guys. You know, you stay married and you lean in and you make it work no matter what. And, you know, all these ideas, Mm -hmm. Um, what I started realizing now is I was coming from a very, very judgmental place of, of, and I started realizing that people are in pain, you know, people are in pain and sometimes people do need to live different lives. So you know, my wife and I, we try to work on it every day, every single day.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I applaud you and gold medals to your wife because some wouldn't endure some of what it sounds like. You know, no offense to you, but some of what you probably unintentionally put her through, and uh, that's uh, that's great that she stuck with you and that you're you're taking it day by day. It seems to me as as you describe these things as we're talking and my life experience as we get older. Little by little, we awaken, hopefully, as we have these life experiences and some of them painful. Pain is is such a loaded word because there's so many faucets of what pain can mean. Uh, But when it comes to relationship, and I've read, listened to all kinds of books as I try to work on me, uh, (laughs) uh, sometimes, more often than not, I feel like people go into a relationship hoping subconsciously we're not even conscious of this at first but i'll admit that i did this and my marriage did end uh not with drugs and alcohol other things most part but um with the hope and expectation that this other person's going to complete them and in reality we got to find a way to we won't attain to a fullness of self-completion, but we have to be enough complete to be able to stand on our own two feet, no intention of rhyme, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's, I'm just throwing out th- thoughts. You know, I, I don't know how much you guys in your marriage done that. And it's, this isn't our marriage counseling and I'm not a marriage counselor, but <laughs> it seems like. No, no, you know I a love place.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So you know, I'm sure you could tell in my answer. I really try to, you know, she was such a catalyst. Um, and such a a, a vision for me. She was such a, but then my, you know, to, to, to want to get sober and then my sobriety and my recovery had to become about myself. And then I had to be humbled and realize that we all grow at our own time. And, and, um, and my whole life has been about really breaking these false ideas that I had in my head and, and getting closer to that spiritual anchor And that's why I I try to always keep, you know, my my marriage and my kids out of my talks because, you know, they have their lives and they have their journey. Mm -hmm. And I want, you know, of course, listen, everyone goes into marriage with the greatest intentions, Mm -hmm. like you said. And you're thinking that you're finding that one person that's going to complete you. And then the world teaches you and you start, you know, and movies start teaching you and books start teaching you that no person can complete you. Yeah. That this whole thing is a journey of self-discovery and you got to go into a marriage being the full you and she or he, whatever, needs to go into the marriage being the full themselves and you want to be interdependent. You want to be together as your fully developed selves, trusting each other, loving each other, having one another, but not needing one another, enhancing one another, encouraging one another, loving one another. You're right. I think many of us get married young, wishing that that other person is going to be like, like almost like that yin and yang. Like when you put the two people together, they kind of, they complete the circle. Mm-hmm. It's that it doesn't, that, that every book we've ever read going all the way back to the Bible doesn't matter then it's not about a journey of self-discovery. It's not a journey about finding yourself. It's not a journey about a, a spiritual anchor. It's a journey just to find your soulmate. And if that's your mission in life, God bless you. But I've found that to, to backfire on many, many people. Absolutely.
0: Well, it's, it's about realistic expectations. And like you t- talked about, a lot of the stuff you learned is what kids need to be learning, you know, from very young age and, they don't learn about money. They don't learn about relationships and school and stuff. And obviously a lot of that stuff should, should be taught at home anyway, from experience example, maybe hands-on <laughs> situations. But uh, yeah, you know, it reminds me of that old movie, Jerry Maguire, where this, this you complete me line that, that took place. this deaf person, in the elevator. And she was saying sign language, or he, I don't remember you complete me, but at the same time, you know, you talk a lot about God and this bigger picture, of the universe, And one of the things I've learned is various of the words in various languages for God actually refer to holiness or man of holiness and things like that, which the word holy actually comes from being whole or complete, which is you talk about this, this DNA thing. I think that is something in us that we're striving for. Sometimes we compensate whether it's things like drugs and alcohol, or like you mentioned, even going to the gym or other things that people do just to like cope with whatever pain, trauma, Holes, if you will, in their soul, but attaining some level of wholeness. And as we awaken in life, as we get older, hopefully, as we've experienced more pain and whatnot, we awaken to that process more than just turning to something, whatever it is, just to soothe that pain. Because that's that's what we do as humans too, and animals do it: shield and soothe. Uh, we've talked about that before in our podcast. But um, anyway, I'm just I'm riffing here on some some thoughts. Do you want to talk a little bit as we get close to wrapping up here in the interest of time but uh and you can of course comment on what I just said or anything else as well, but you talk a lot about success versus fulfillment uh do you want to elaborate on some of that as well and or any of the other things you yeah, talk about
1: <laughs> yeah well i love i mean I think this has been such a great conversation and and I hope you know you your audience gets a lot out of it I, well, Phil what i love about. Success versus fulfillment is I, a. Not only do I help my clients with it, but I've had to experience this whole this whole talk myself, in which, you know, six. Suc- I believe you can measure success. I do. I believe success can look like a number one best selling book, number one album, winning the Super Bowl, winning the NBA championships, or your team improving, or your stats improving, your bank account getting higher. You know, having more, you 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 can measure it. Does that make sense? You 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 could success is something that you could you could track and measure. Fulfill now, I know people that are addicted to that. As in, they once they get one thing, they're not happy, and the only way they can feel that happiness again is to chase it again, Mm. to chase it again, and to chase again. They're not fulfilled by their own success. Mm. Fulfillment is something intrinsic. It's inside. It's a feeling of, like you said, being whole, being proud, being at peace. Dare I even say being joyful with the peace. But it's, it's a feeling that you can get. You, but you can get it from that success. You could also get it from the journey. Just from the journey, you know, I deal with a lot of professional athletes. That right after they win the big one, mm-hmm. they are in such a funk. <laughs> Ugh, such a funk. Yeah, you know, and then they have to. They have this mixed feeling of I can't wait for next season but oh my God, next season we may not be the champs. It's almost like you reach that pinnacle. Like this I, And I think this is why we look at people like Tom Brady and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and and people of that nature uh, with such revere because it, the success made them want to become, they, they chased it, but they wanted to do it again. And mm. they looked forward to it. <laughs> And they, you know, if you really study these guys, what you start noticing was that they didn't feel like they were working hard because they loved what they did. Mm -hmm. They love what they do. Think about that. They love what they do. So if you love what you do, you're being fulfilled. And if you love what you do, the success will come. But you can get the success and not love what you do. Mm-hmm. And you can get the success and not be fulfilled. So there, there are two things that I think really have to be looked at and studied to each individual, and I don't think many of us do. I think so many of us from the movies, from our parents, from childhood, from whatever, from books, go for the success. Go for the success mm. and not the fulfillment.
0: Right. It's all all excellent points. And I, I couldn't agree. Like I had an uncle who was in the NFL and coached actually he was in the NFL total of like 39 years between all that. And he talked about going to the pro bowl. It was back in the (laughs) sixties and when the NFL wasn't what it is today, but it was still growing to this big thing. And, uh, but that was one of his big goals. And the same thing you're talking about after it was like, well, now what? And, uh, and so that, and that could happen. Most of us aren't going to the pro bowl or the super bowl or the NBA finals. But uh, we have our own versions of that in our lives that maybe we're going for. And success in one area does not mean a fullness of, you know, we talk about the word whole, completeness or success in all facets of life. That's the funny thing about life. <laughs> There's, it's like you can never arrive. We could climb Mount Everest and that's a big daunting task and achievement. And yet, there's no peak of Mount Everest in our lives. You can there's no plateaus you can get to, or places to say I've arrived. It's just, and not to not to overwhelm. It's almost like, well, how do we frame that? Should we be excited then that there's always going to be more room for growth when you're 95? Hopefully, God bless us that we make it there, <laughs> uh, or whatever stage of life that you can constantly. I I know old old folks and we'll listen to some of them sometimes and. And they're still learning and telling, hey, I just learned this last week and growing and progressing. So, again, we could frame it as being overwhelmed. It's kind of a choice of framing uh, what life is all about. Do we need to get overwhelmed? And if so, maybe we talk to somebody. Maybe we go to a guy like Adam here. Uh, and on that note, by the way, you can comment on any of that. But let's talk, too, about how folks can get in touch with you. I know you've got this website and this book. Um, but obviously you bring a lot to the table and have a lot of great experience with all kinds of people's situations. Uh, but Adam for one thing and comment on any of the other things I said, but let's talk about all of it to wrap up here as we come to a close.
1: Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I loved what you said. I, I, lo- I think we're kind of, what I, what I've really loved about this conversation is I, I feel like we're, we're, playing like a really nice sweet game of, of ping pong and really just like making sure the other person hits it you know like just <laughs> yeah. serving it you know not trying to you know, and and what's happening is it's it's growing and it's building and we're talking about some really dynamic things your your audience can find me um, on Instagram at adam jablin at LinkedIn at adam jablin like you said adamjablin.com um YouTube we're starting soon but th- th- I I believe that this conversation and, and what we talked about today is really the most important things that people can think about and, and, and look at. I really, really do. And mm-hmm. I believe in everybody's mission. Don't get me wrong. I believe in veganism. I believe in, uh, you know, if, you, if you're a hunter, like you're hunting the animals right, and I love, believe in nutrition. I believe in training. Mm-hmm. I believe in business. I believe in economics. I believe in politics. I, but All of that stuff just changes so quickly. Mm -hmm. All of it. Who's in the White House every four to eight years? What business is doing the best? What business model is doing the best? Yeah. What nutrition plan is the best? You know, high protein, low carb, vegan, Mediterranean diet, keto, (laughs) you know, you know, but what you and I are talking about doesn't change.
0: Yeah. Good point.
1: That's why I, That's why I love what I do because I'm talking about things that there's no variable on it. Mm -hmm. It's not, well, if you change X, then Y. No, no, no matter how much, you know, my client wants to debate me, the earth will rotate at a 24 hour axis. And if they want to get cute and say, well, I could describe electricity and blah, 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 blah. Just keep going. Okay. Go one step further. What makes that? What makes the what makes the atom what makes the proton attracted to the electron? Well, okay, go on. Get deeper. What makes that? What makes that attraction? Well, you want me to talk about the big bang theory? You want me to, uh, uh, you just want to get back to the god thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because cause and effect is just the law of this universe. That's all we know. But it's, I'm talking about things that are eternal. Mm. We have yet to meet somebody that hasn't died. We have yet to meet anyone that doesn't realize that love is not the most powerful feeling. You know, what What you and I discussed today are eternal. They will not change.
0: Good points. Yeah. That's uh, And and so this is what we're striving for as human beings. And as we all deal with our own little things, instead of hiding it, you know, hiding behind closed doors in our homes and quietly drinking or whatever people do to cope, finding a way to get that out there and, and air this stuff out and figure out what it is. And then what can we control, which in life is really very little, but it's actually a lot when it comes to who we are and what we choose to do in response to whatever in life and, and, and really embracing that as our power. Uh, there's, there's just a, uh, there's a lot of power there to be had. And I can't, I can't speak as if I have yeah. fullness of knowledge, but I know we're on to something and I know you definitely are too, with things you're teaching people and sharing and coaching and your book. Um, well, Adam, any final thoughts as we wrap up here? You, you just probably had some good final thoughts right there, but I just, I want to invite everyone to go to adamjablin.com and then find you on all these other places at Adam Jablin on, <laughs> on Instagram that's J-A-B as in boy, L-I-N as in Nancy. And uh, of course the book and uh, lots of holic from a sick to sober Superman. Uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up here, my friend?
1: No, man, I just want to say thank you to you. Thank you to your audience for even listening. I I, I really, really had a wonderful time and um, and thank you. Yeah, likewise
0: uh, wonderful having you here and great insights. Uh, this stuff is really interesting. Even though I haven't myself personally, I've seen a lot of this with addiction and various things. And, uh, and I, and I just think it's a really important and timely topic, especially with everything going on. People are turning all kinds of things just for relief, uh, with this virus stuff and everything else. So, um, well, go find Adam, go pick up that book. We mentioned, we'll have uh, some more information, in the show notes and some links. And, uh, Until next time, my friends, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.